You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. In God's presence, I'm going to take your attention this morning here to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. And we'll go to chapter number 12, the book of Daniel chapter number 12. And I'm going to use, uh, for the sake of a better word, a vintage title today. And uh, for those of us that are, for those of you, I guess, I don't want to claim that, that are vintage. It's not a new title, I guess you could say that. But I'm going to talk to you today about signs of the times, signs of the times. And we're going to Daniel chapter number 12. We're going to read four verses of Scripture, then we'll have another word of prayer and let let you be seated. But Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 1, we'll begin verse number 1 all the way through 4. And it says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince withstandeth for the children of thy people. This is the archangel in there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. He's talking about the end times, the last days. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I want to talk to you about the signs of the times. Would you lay your Bibles down and let's ask God to bless his word one more time to our hearing this morning. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this wonderful moment that we have together, together in your presence and freedom and liberty in the spirit. And I ask that you would anoint our hearts that we can hear the word of God. Let the word of God speak to our souls, our spirits, our minds, and our life today to those in need. God, to the hurting, Lord, to the broken, to the hopeless, Lord, I pray today to the weak and the weary, let your word strengthen and edify. We give you glory and honor and praise in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you worship the Lord one more time before you're seated? Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Signs of the times. Signs of the times. There is a lot of discussion right now concerning end times. Every catastrophe in my life, my 40 years of existence, every catastrophe has always caused it to be a renewed topic of conversation, a renewed highlight, something that comes back to the surface. And if you're on social media, if you're scrolling through YouTube, if you're just flipping the channels in times and the times that we're in is a discussion among especially people of faith, people that are searching. I'm not here today to talk about the particulars. There's a lot of things in Scripture that are obvious to us. Here in this passage, God tells Daniel, he says, you're going to shut up the words of this book and you're going to seal the book. And that literally means not just to 
close the book, but to seal it, it, it was a hiding, that there would be a hiding of things. There were things Daniel wrote about, but there were also things that Daniel would understand that he did not explain. There were things Daniel did not disclose in this book, things that he saw into, things that uh, 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 he saw coming, but yet uh, God tells him, now's not the time. And so he writes what he writes. And and, and to make sense of the book, it, it was not totally a known thing, but because of who he was and the significance and the approval of God upon his life, Daniel became, this, the book of Daniel becomes one of the prophets. It becomes esteemed. They, they know this is from God. And even though they can't understand it all, there's coming a time where they will. And that time comes in the New Testament. When Messiah comes, and Daniel talks about that earlier, when Messiah comes, there's going to be an unlocking. There's going to be an understanding. There's going to be a revealing. We see that in the New Testament church through the works of the apostles. We see that namely in uh, uh, John, the, the revelator we call him, when he writes the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he's writing things. He's unlocking things. You're piecing things together. There are still things that we don't know. We, we don't realize it's there in the word. It's there for our knowing. But but in our process today, we may not understand exactly how everything plays out. But if there's anything we can be sure of right now, it is that the Word of God is playing out. It is playing out. Don't, don't, don't be deceived when, when people talk about the specifics and the details of end times. Sometimes there can be debate and discussion and, and maybe a, a little bit of conflict. But, but let's not lose sight of the fact that the Word of God is playing out just like God said it would. So we come here to the book of Daniel. He's wrapping it up. It's coming to a close. And the angel stands here and is speaking to him. It's an incredible passage. Daniel, it, it, many years are taking place between certain passages of this book, but it's supernatural beings. It's angelic beings. It, it, it's God himself. It, it's incredible things that are taking place place that he's writing down, and, and now he closes it out, letting us know that there will be a time of trouble like the world has never seen before. Not at any point before it will come upon that generation, upon that day, upon that Age. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible to think about the context that this was written in because Daniel is in captivity. Daniel has seen the atrocities. He's seen his, his homeland uh, 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 burned to the ground and, and destroyed. I could go through the gruesome uh, details, but you can read that on your own for the sake of, of our children and our audience. I won't describe all of the things that they had lived through and walked through. So when Daniel says that there's a time coming like never before, just understand that, that the word of God was speaking to a man that's living in the context of Babylon, one of the most uh, uh, incredible human feats of achievement, but yet one of the most uh, immoral cultures that you could have, one, one of the most fierce, dominant world powers of that time, 
Now it's going to be worse than ever before, but there was a promise because God never brings something for us just to be afraid. There was a hope, he says, and at that time thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. He's letting us know, don't be fearful. Don't be afraid when calamity and troubles and, and trials come like, like you've never seen before because your salvation draweth not. There is salvation for those who have their name written in the book and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. They're going to awake, he said, to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. But they that be wise shall shine, hallelujah, as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. I'm thankful that God's put light in our life. I'm thankful that God has brought some illumination into our soul. I'm thankful to be a part, amen, of the body of Christ, uh, that even in the midst of darkness and despair, we can gather together on a Sunday morning and lift up and magnify the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And there's something that encourages us. Oh, do you love the church this morning? I'm thankful, Brother Zarita, I can come in here and I can look around the room and I can pick out and I can see people that God's brought you through trials and tragedies and despairs and afflictions and addictions, amen, and distresses and diseases, but God's delivered us and he put us together in a house where we would not have been bound together by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a thread that weaves throughout this room. Hallelujah. And there's a light that shines in our heart. Somebody give God glory and praise this morning. Hallelujah for your testimony. What a powerful promise that God's given to us. But Daniel, seal the book. Seal the book. They won't get it. They won't understand it until the time. And so, Daniel, don't tell all that you know. You seal the book. There's coming a day. It will be open and it will be revealed, but seal the book. It's been said that the New Testament can be found in the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament by the New Testament is revealed. It's so true. It was shut up. But then he goes on and he says, it's going to be sealed until even to the time of the end. Speaking about end things and end times, he goes on and says, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Two prevailing characteristics of the end time. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. He speaks about two things, the first being mobility, the mobility of man. Again, Daniel is in the Babylon Empire. He, he is living through one of the largest world empire expanses, dominating the then known world. What an incredible, incredible thing, their ability to travel. Man has always been able to travel and explore. There, there has always been no limit to man's explorations in this world, but of course we know that it's never been like it's been today, like it's been a few years ago. In fact, if you go back just Take 50, 60, 70 years ago, there were then planes and there were then automobiles. And, and, and the Bible teachers of that day were standing up as they saw, as they saw the transfer from horse and buggy to automobile. They were standing up saying, wow, the word of God's true. Look at how we can travel. But now our mobility is on a scale that even they could not 
comprehend. We're talking about leisure travel to space being a possibility. We're not only talking about that, but, but our mobility to go to and fro is not limited in the physical, but now in the virtual, we can be anywhere. Virtually, we can sit down on our couch and we can tune in and we can see anything. We can go there, Instagram accounts and YouTube channels are filled. They are full of people who are making a living doing nothing else but traveling day by day so other people virtually can experience this. The mobility, men shall run to and fro. It's not just getting from point A to point B, but it was the speed, the, the, the rapidity that was possible. They will run to and fro, going from here to there, the expanse. It would be so incredible. Yes, man has always been able to travel, but never like today. Mobility. Why did Daniel, we have to ask, use mobility as a defining characteristic? He saw something. He saw something over two and a half millennium ago that he could not fathom and comprehend. And the second thing he said was knowledge shall be increased. Knowledge shall be increased again. Why was this such a big thing? Babylon was full of education, the feats of Babylon, the experience, the knowledge, the testimonies of Babylon were a wonder to behold, so much so that its ruins, just that, that hint to what used to be, is now, is even now still considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient ancient world. It was so incredible. How did they build these hanging gardens of feet that would be amazing to do today? God is writing and telling this to Daniel at the time of the Babylonian empire. There also was another empire, the, the Egyptian empire of, of their buildings and structures today. We still can't figure out exactly how they built them. And then there was the Assyrian Empire and the Assyrian Empire has fed so much knowledge to us today. Did you know that the Assyrians were trying to gather information, if you will? It was two and a half millennia ago, it was their version of the internet. They went into every part and every region of the world. They took every language and they would send out people and reporters and they would write books and they would collect things and they would bring them back. And the Assyrians built one of the largest libraries and gatherings of information that the entire world has ever seen. And we're talking two and a half millennia ago, and yet God tells Daniel, knowledge shall increase. Could it be that he saw something beyond just the massive libraries and everything else? But now in our generation today, we have lived so long on this earth that information and lack of information is not the problem. The problem today is so much information that we don't know where to start. The problem today is so much information that it conflicts and contradicts one another. The problem today is an abundance of information that we literally have at our fingertips that we are making our own selves dumb again. Knowledge shall be increased. You ever go out to do a simple chore that your grandparents who didn't pass the third grade knew how to do and you can't figure it out and you got to pull up YouTube? Anybody know what I'm talking about? See? See what I'm talking about? And then the person on YouTube makes it look so easy and you just make a mess of it. Knowledge shall increase. We have to ask why were these the two characteristics? Why not something else? Why did he not pick and choose another characteristic? Why did he choose the mobility of man and the unbelievable abundance of information? Why are those the two characteristics? What 
is God trying to tell us through Daniel? Well, I believe that behind these two things lies a deeper philosophical problem that he was getting to, the first being mobility. If we ask why mobility, why do you go from point A to point B? Why do you not only go there, but why do you not stop there, but you keep going on and you keep going to another and you keep going to another Mobility, if you'll follow me for a moment, denotes perhaps a discontentment. That there's never a point or a position where we arrive at a place that's good enough. We never come to a station. We never come to a place where this is good to settle down. And so man shall run to and fro. We're looking, we're searching, we're trying to find a new experience, a new thing, a better place. We cannot find contentment in the things of this world and the place of this world. We have needs. There's something that is not satisfying. And so we're running to and fro. Could that not be a better description? description of the culture of the world. We're discontented. We're not satisfied. The new thing comes up. We build it. Everybody flocks there. The old we discard and then just a few days and weeks and months and years pass on and we've got to leave this point and go somewhere else. It's not good enough. We're discontented and there's a characteristic of the end time that there would be a mass of craze discontentment when content is there, when contentment is there, you don't have to move on. You come to the place and say, this is it. I found it. I I don't need to see any other. I don't need to go any other. You you find a station. This is where we'll live. This is what we're going for. This is what we found. Can I tell you that he's trying to let us know that in the end times, men will be going to and fro, but they will not be satisfied. Why? Because there are some places that only God can can take you. You can't get on a plane. You can't get in a car. You can't travel. You can't hike far enough. You can't climb high enough to find the contentment that you're looking for. This contentment is not satisfied by man's invention. This contentment is not a man fulfilled by man's ability, but this contentment is some place that only God can take you. Only God by his word and through his spirit can move you to. Can I direct your attention to what the psalmist said in chapter 16 and verse 11? He said, thou wilt show me the path of life and in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Can I tell you, if you been running looking for joy and if you've been running looking for pleasure, can I tell you you've come to the right place today because it's in his presence. Oh, somebody clap your hand and rejoice in the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The irony of the world's quest for pleasure is that it does not satisfy. The irony of the addiction is that it never fulfills. And when you come back to it, you've got to have more than you had before. But I believe, amen, in what Paul said. He said, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know what this is good for? This is good for every situation. This is good for every stage of life. This is good for every personality. This is good for every individual. It doesn't matter your makeup. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your history. Amen. The presence of God and the peace of God, amen, is available to you where joy, hallelujah, and peace are freely given. And whom having not seen, Peter says in chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, ye love in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice 
Peter described his experience with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I want to tell you, how many remember where God saved you, where God found you, where God brought you from? Don't be deceived when we come to the house of God. We've, we've got a few bucks in our pocket and our threads are holding together. Come on, and our hubcaps match. Don't, don't, be, don't be confused to thinking that we've done something had it not been for the grace of God. Come on. It, it, it's not about the clothes you wear. It's not about the house you live in or the car you ride. In, it's that smile that the world can't take out of your off your face. It's that contentment that the world can't take out of your heart. That's what I'm talking about. When I found him, I didn't have to keep running. I didn't have to keep looking because I found what I was looking for in Christ Jesus. This is this is the mantra and maybe why it's so familiar and at the close of life more often than any other verse this passage is read. At memorial services, David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He did not write this in the comfort of a throne room. He did not write this among the luxuries of a palace, but he writes this in a wilderness of exile when he's estranged from his own family and outside of his own uh, land he said he maketh me to lie down in green pastures and he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil why for that Thou art with me. Amen. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In the middle of death, in the face of death, in the valley of death, God becomes our constant companion. He becomes our, our constant support. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. He's right there in the, in the presence of enemies. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. You know what he's saying? He's not saying I'm running to the cadence of my own step. He said, I'm walking in line with the Lord. I'm following the Lord. But wherever I am on this earth, it does not matter what situation I happen upon. Mercy and goodness are right there. Every day I need mercy. It's right there. Every day I just need the goodness of God that leads me back to him. And it's right there. It'll follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Let me preach. Let me preach. I'm glad y'all are here today, but let me preach to the ones that are watching online, the ones that are isolated in their home. David was exiled. He could not go to his own land. He could not see his own family. He could not get near the tabernacle of the Lord. But in the midst of that, he declares, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Why? Because the Lord's house is not a structure. It's his presence. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter if you're in a prison, if you're in a hospital, it doesn't matter where you are, amen, the presence of the Lord, come on, is among you, hallelujah, give glory to the Lord today, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Only, only God can take you to those places. This world will leave you so far out. Come on, it's a deception. It's a lie. Don't you chase after this stuff. Hear me, young people. Hear me, father. Hear me, mother. Amen. Alcoholism is a lie. Addiction is a lie. The, 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 the temptations of immorality, it's a lie. The wise man, the proverb says, amen, it's a rod. It'll destroy you. It will burn you up. Amen. But seek after the things of God. They'll never leave you wanting 
many shall run to and fro. There's some places that only God can take you. There's some things only God can lead you to. The second thing he says is knowledge shall increase. We want to know why knowledge? Because we have a yearning for a revelation. We as humans have a desire for a truth. We want to know something. It's that steady ground, that stable ground that you want. We were in South Dakota and we were walking through the Badlands. And my mother-in-law was there with me and there's many points along the road you can stop and you can look at, you can get out there and they've got the railing. But in the Badlands National Park in the South Dakota Badlands, it's an open, it's an open, uh, I can't remember how they call that, but basically an open hike place. There's no restrictions. There's nothing you can't climb. If you can climb it, then you can do it. It may not be safe. It may not be wise, but you can do it. And so we got to a couple of them and there were some cool trails that sort of, as the badlands sort of come up and it sort of just cuts away. You're right there on the edge and then there it is, it goes and sort of cuts up and it was cutting out. And so I was just walking out there and I was going out to get a good video or something like that. And so she was taking some pictures of me as I was walking out there and she was a nervous wreck. <laughs> and so my mother-in-law is standing up at the rail and I'm walking out there. We, Luca was asleep and we let we left him in the car buckled in his seat because we didn't want him out there because he had already done that. We were at, I caught him mid jump. We, we had, we were hiking in still makes our heart jump. We were hiking in uh, the black Hills and we came to Sylvan Lake and there's this nice trail around Sylvan Lake and it's gorgeous. The rocks are just coming up out of that. And Luca walked over to the edge and he was standing there and I had him turn around, take his picture. And I was taking his picture and then he turned around and he walked over to the edge and I knew what was in his mind. And so I was standing right there and he went like this. And as he went like this, my, my arm caught him and pulled him back. And they all about had a heart attack. So we kept him locked in the uh, car when we went to the Badlands. <laughs> and I was walking out on the, I was walking out down the trail and the, the first spot and, and my mother-in-law is, is, is saying, oh, oh, be careful. Be careful. That's my son-in-law. Be careful. <laughs> and uh, I was walking out there and it was, it was okay. It was fine and got some cool pictures, but you're looking for steady ground because it, if you did, if you didn't step, it wasn't too bad. It was, it was slanted. There were no sheer cliffs. It was slanted. And so I convinced her on the next one to walk out with me. Because I said, it's slanted. You'll just roll. You might roll a long time, but you'll just roll. It's not going to hurt, you know, too bad. So on the next one we got to, she was walking out there. And I said, turn around. And I was taking her picture. I was tempted, Matt. I didn't say back up or anything. I said, stand still. Stand still. And... But you're looking right there when you're, you're coming up. I was, I was out there on the first one I went out. It was a little bit narrower. And I was out there and I was videoing and I was doing a, a big video just pan there. And it was dead still. And then all of a sudden this massive gust of wind come and sort of caught me. And you can sort of tell in the video. And you're looking for that sure footing and you're looking for that sure ground. And that is a little bit what the quest of our knowledge is about. We're looking for truths that provide security for our life. We're looking for things that secure us and things that sustain us. We're, we're trying as we're navigating life, we're reaching for everything because we're trying to find a knowledge to confront our fears with. We're looking for something that helps us. We're, we're looking for something that will heal us and we're questing for knowledge. If I can know something and experience is different kinds of thing, knowledge will increase. I got to have more. I got to know more. We're, we're not even content in her knowledge. I'm looking for something that's going to add value to my life. And, and so we live today in the, 
in the realm of constant news and constant information. If you have a handful of apps, I, I keep all of my apps. I turn all of the notifications off because the notifications are just constant bombards of stuff. And you get the next thing. You forget what happened. You forget what, what even happened. Somebody was talking about something that happened in 2020 the other day. I can't even remember what they were talking about. And they mentioned something. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that actually happened this year. That seems like a year away. It seemed forever away because you got this constant, we have this constant barrage of things on us. We live in the society of 24-hour news. We are sold on the fact that if I'm not plugged into the news 24 hours, I'm going to miss something big, and it's not going to be safe for me as if we're waiting to run into a bunker or something. And they're selling us on this. We've got to have it. The reality is, just as there are places that only God can take us, there are things that only God can reveal to us. And we're searching for knowledge everywhere else. We're reaching and we're trying to grasp at things everywhere. We're trying to find things. But there are things that only God can teach us. You can't Google this stuff. You can't find this outside of his word and outside of the spirit. In the book of Matthew, there's this powerful passage of scripture that comes when Jesus gathers them around and he asks his closest among him, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're Jeremiah. And some say you're Elijah. And then he turns and says, but who do you, who do you say that I am? I'm not worried about what the rest of the world says about me. I'm wanting to know what you say about me. Can I tell you, we cannot let our Christianity and our faith Amen. Even though we worship corporately and we live corporately and we do things corporately, amen, in prayer, our faith, amen, has to be between us and God. It cannot be tethered alone to those around us. Yes, it's tied to those among us, but it can't be tied to those around us and disconnected from the one above us first. We must be tied into him. Who do you say that I am? God's looking at us. Uh, say, what do you say? What are you going to do in the end time? Where are you standing? And Peter all of a sudden stands up in a moment of faith and declaration. And he says, thou art the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the God eternal manifest in flesh. You are the I am that I am. You are the one from before the beginning that came down. The unknowable God made knowable. Amen. The comprehensible God, amen, made tangible. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds and says, blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. Can I tell you, God wants to reveal some things to us that will not come, amen, through the mediums of the world's efforts. They will only come, amen, through his word and through his spirit. That's why as pastor, that's why as preacher, amen, the most important thing I can do is get you to get a love for the word of God, help you to get a discipline for the word of God and to walk in the spirit, amen to find time to live in the spirit and let the Holy Ghost lead you. There are things that God is trying to reveal to us. They will only come through his spirit. Even times when we come to church, we have wonderful singing. Hopefully the preaching's halfway decent. At least it's the word of God. We have prayer time together and the spirit of God can touch us. I'm going to tell you, God wants more than that. He's looking for those prayer closet moments. He's looking for those times where you're running down the road and you're praying or singing and it's so overwhelming that you've got to pull over and have a moment with God. He's looking for those places where God speaks to you about you, where you are at, where you are living, and he deals with you about you, where God reveals himself to you. Yes, we come to 
church and we sing about him being a victor and we sing about him being a healer and we sing about him being a way maker. But there comes a moment in life where in the middle of the fire, he's got to reveal to you that I'm with you and I'm going to keep you and I'm going to bring you out. There comes a moment in the prison where you're there saying, I'm never going to be set free. And God says, no, I got a purpose for your life. And as long as you keep following me, it's working. God wants to reveal himself to you. I praise God for the church. I thank God for the church. I'm here today because of the church. I'm here today because my parents, it's good to have my parents with me, brought me to the house of the Lord. But you know what kept me? What kept me was those times and those nights and those mornings. Amen. Where I got down on my face, on my floor, in my bedroom, or in a place or to pull the car over and say, God, I can't make it. God, I can't do this. God, I need you. God, I want to know you. And all of a sudden, God revealed things to me. God came down and touched me. God spoke to my life. And this is what God desires for you. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Because we live in a world that has so much access to information that we take it for granted. Seven times in the book of Revelation, and I'm coming to a close. If you want to come to the piano. Revelation 2 and 29. Christ says to John, He that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Seven times, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches here today. I'm here to tell you, turn off the devices and the mentality that says, I get everything from the device. And open up your ear to the Spirit. Open up your ear to the Spirit. There's a book, and I think if I have the, the title of the book, it's Teens and Screens or something like that. It's a parenting book for teens, parents of teens, children with a relation to media. And in that book, it gives some powerful things. I highly recommend it. It gives five lies. It says our screen is telling our teens. Five lies. If you've never heard that or seen that, you ought to Google it later because it's really powerful. Five lies our screen is telling our teens. But the number fifth lie, the number fifth lie is this. Information is all I need, so I don't need a teacher. And so we grow up in this generation. I've got the YouTube. I, I've got the internet. I'll just Google it. I don't need to know how to do it. Now, I consider myself a very, very, very young 40-year-old. <laughs> but everybody else on staff here is much younger than me. Sister Larissa is what did, you, what did you say, the physical manifestation of, 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 of my ministry because she was born the year I went into ministry. <laughs> she told me that and I was like, thanks a lot. <laughs> That's how long I've been in ministry. And, 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 and you know, I think I'm techie and all this kind of stuff, but I don't even think about things like Brother Kendall would always say, I'd ask him something and he'd come back and tell me and I was like, how did you know that? And he's like, I Googled it. And he'd look at me like, and Brother Leonard, it, even though I use Google, I, it didn't dawn on me to use Google for the simple things, you know, kind of thing. So, but if we're not careful, we grow up in a society that says, I've got access to information, so I don't need a teacher. When I need it, I'll access it. And that's not the way God works. Right. We, we, we can't live our Christianity just saying, I'm okay, and when I need them, I'll access them. Because the lie is that you need some things now, you just don't know it. 
The lie is that you're, you're, you're being, to the youth, you're, you're being raised by people that are trying to teach you things that you need and you're going to need, but you don't know you need them yet. And if you wait until later in life, you can't just Google, how do I get off of this addiction? How do I fix my marriage? How do I keep my job? You can't just Google that stuff. You need a teacher. And so he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. God is saying, I want to teach you. I want to lead you. I want to reveal some things to you. Peter says, flesh and blood. Jesus tells him, have not revealed this, but my Father, which is in heaven. Peter didn't even need, know he needed to know that. But when he knew that piece of information, it changed his life. Be careful in your quest for knowledge to secure, in your quest for knowledge to confront your fears with, in your, your search for knowledge through your career or whatever else of study to somehow help and heal your heart and fix the void in your life that you miss the one that's speaking all the time. God wants to reveal some things to us. He wants to do it in His Word. He wants to do it in His Spirit. But He wants to do it in covenant relationship. He doesn't want to do it as a one-time meeting. God wants to do it as a covenant relationship. That's why the church is allegorized as the bride of Christ, not the girlfriend. Because there are some things that are reserved for covenant. Hear me today. Too many of us have Jesus, as they say, as your boyfriend. Just kind of kind of this friend. He's, he's, he's the co-pilot. He's whatever else. No, what God is saying is I want to enter into covenant relationship with you. You enter into covenant relationship. That's what David was saying. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's not going to leave me. He doesn't forsake me because he's given me a covenant that he will be with me always into the end of the earth. Lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. That was the promise that he gave. You've got to get past, I've got to get past our own mind and our own heart, our own quest for mobility, our own quest for information. We've got to realize that there's things and places that only God can take us and only God can teach us. That's why covenant relationship is so vital and so important. Say, how do I enter that covenant relationship? Well, we do it by first acknowledging God and and then confessing our faults through repentance, coming to Him and, and, and not only acknowledging our faults, but giving a willingness and change in heart. God, I want to repent. I want to about face. I want to turn. I want to change from my wicked ways if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from the wicked ways. We we go through this process. He says, then I will hear from heaven. Then we go from repentance, we enter into covenant through the waters of baptism. It was a it was a revelation revealed in the New Testament. It was more than just a physical washing, but when you were baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, all things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Your sins are washed away. You want to talk about a new start. <laughs> you want to talk about a new beginning right there. I'm going to tell you the greatest decision you ever make in your life is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And when you enter into covenant relationship at that point, he says, there's a promise. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What's the Holy Ghost? It's more than just a person that we pray to. It's the Spirit of God, that unknowable God from eternity to eternity that comes down, the relative presence of God that comes down and abides in our hearts and He leads and guides us in all truth. 
And so God put his thumbprint on it. He said, your, your understanding of the supernatural impartation of the Spirit is not left to guess, and it's not left to somebody else telling you that it happened. But if you go to Acts chapter 2, when they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, something supernatural happened. You say, I don't believe in the supernatural, and then you must not believe in any of the Bible, including the book of Daniel. When they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it fell. The Bible says they spoke with other tongues. They spoke in a language that they do not know. I know to our human rationale, my logical mind, I'm very logical and rational. It does not make sense. It defies logic. But I'm going to tell you, I, I wrestled with that as, as a young person. I wrestled with that. Even after I initially received the Holy Ghost, I wrestled with that logical kind of thing and trying to pray through to the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, when the Holy Ghost comes into your life, when it's real, when the Spirit of God comes and it's real, I, I, I remember I, I'd gone a season in my life without... As a young person, I received the Holy Ghost as a young person. I was baptized at a very young age, eight years old. And then I went through a season where I was at church and I was, I was a good church kid, but in my spirit, I hadn't prayed in the spirit. And it, it haunted me. And I remember the night that God refilled me, as we say, with the spirit. I was just praying. I wasn't even praying about the Holy Ghost. I just knelt down on the altar and I was getting, giving my life back to God. God, I give you everything. I was just recommitting. I was consecrating everything. And all of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute. I've been praying in a language I did not even know and I didn't even realize it. I was just praying. And I knew in that moment, His Word is true. His Word is real. And I'm going to tell you, if I was here today to tell you you're saved or you're not saved, you would walk out of here depending on what I said. But I'm a man just like you. I'm human. I need God's grace just like you. And so God says, I'm going to give you a way that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And if you're watching online today, I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God is real. And there are things that God wants to reveal to you, and He can only reveal in His Spirit. Would you stand together with me this morning? Thank you for letting me preach to you the Word of God. I... I pray that you're encouraged today. And I pray that God has opened up your mind and your understanding to some things. But, but my prayer is not that just you walk away saying, hum, or wow, look at that. My prayer is that it affects your heart and it affects your soul. Now, normally on Sunday before COVID, we would have an altar service and we would invite you to step out and to join me and just to come stand. And in that physical act, there's something about that physical act that says, I'm going forward for prayer. You got to lay your pride down on everything else, but we're not doing that right now. But I'm going to tell you what you've got to do. You've still got to be willing to lay your pride down. So we're going to pray, we're going to sing another song, and I'm going to ask you right where you're at to tune. Don't worry about those that are around you, but I'm, I'm going to ask you just to focus into God right now. I'm going to ask you in your own way, maybe you want to kneel at your seat, maybe you want to lift your hands, maybe you want to, maybe you want to uh, bow your head, whatever you want to do, but I'm going to ask you to open your heart to God and begin to speak to Him, begin to make your life right. If you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, we'll baptize you today. If you need to repent of your sins, today is the day. Come on, would you lift your heart right now? Can I tell you the healers in the house, the waymakers in the house? Come on. God came to somebody. He's wanting to reveal himself to you today. Come on, right where you're at. Come on, church, would you help me pray? Come on, prayer warriors, would you help me travail in the Holy Ghost? Somebody here today needs deliverance. Somebody here today needs a miracle. Somebody here today needs hope in a hopeless situation. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right now, God, we thank you today. Hallelujah, God. We bring our heart and our brokenness, God. We bring our lives and our questions. God, we bring our insecurities and our failures, God. Forgive us, God, for running to and fro. Forgive us, God, for reaching for the other things of this world. Help us to know that there are places that only you can take us. There are things that only you can teach us and reveal to us.